Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So let's start with this carbon tax battle royal here. Everybody's jumped into over the top rope into the ring on this thing now. So it started with Trudeau last week, and, yeah. and Paul Liev threatened to scrap the entire Uh-oh. carbon tax. Spills over into the provinces here now. So let's listen to Kevin Falcon, leader of BC United, leader of the opposition of the legislature, speaking to me a short time ago on the carbon tax. Here he is. He goes after EB here, saying EB should cut the carbon tax on natural gas. Let's listen. EB, you need to stand up for British Columbians and say we're immediately going to provide the same relief, whether it's natural gas or oil-based heating. That is the minimum we ought to be doing. And the fact that he refuses to do that, uh, unlike the leaders in places like Alberta and Saskatchewan, I find really disappointing. Your thoughts? Well, Falcon doesn't really want EB to do that because he wants (laughs) this to be an issue that he can carry into the campaign. He would love the NDP to maintain the carbon tax the way it is right now. Great point. So I think the opposition may finally, finally have found something to differentiate itself from the government and also to maybe connect with voters. So. And you and I have talked about this before. There's poll after poll after poll. You know, the NDP's miles ahead in the polls, way ahead of United. Yeah. But they get a failing grade on housing, on cost of living, on health care. And we're talking like an 80-20 split here. Yeah. Uh, but yet the voters are not uh, voting against the government on uh, because of those issues, even though it's top of mind. Carbon tax may be an issue that the United, BC United and the BC Conservatives, but they're still fighting over the same turf. BC Conservatives want to get rid of the tax entirely. BC yes. United right now is targeted exemptions. But maybe this is an issue that they can factor into their platforms that starts to resonate with voters. Because So Falcon's point yesterday, and we asked him at the news conference, is this not a flip-flop? Because he was part of the government that brought in the carbon tax Sure, in 2008. And he got almost angry about this, saying this is not a flip-flop. And he, he made the point, circumstances are entirely different today than they were when the tax was introduced. Cost of living, inflation are much bigger issues than they were back in 2008, when inflation was like 1% or 2% a year, wasn't a factor. Now those things start to crowd the plate a bit, and the carbon tax keeps going up, and and you just had a segment on a uh, debate whether it's effective or not. Yeah. I mean, emissions have gone down, but nowhere near. A little bit. A little bit, but nowhere near what the targets are and what were t- the targets were set in connection with the carbon tax 15 years ago. So I think the, the stage is being set courtesy of Trudeau with his move, but also this, this has been building. You and I have talked about this. I've written about this for some time, that this was building. This carbon tax debate has been building for year, well. I think a couple years now, as inflation and cost of living became a big issue, you start looking at things you're paying. And it's not income tax, it's not sales tax people are talking about, but the carbon tax was something that was different and uh, and unique. And it was getting bigger every year. And I think that now it's exploded because of Trudeau. So I think, I wouldn't be surprised if the NDP government under EB 
Um, despite what Kevin Falcon really wants EVs to do, which is to do nothing. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think you're going to see the NDP government do something in the spring budget in terms of tinkering with the carbon tax. Mm. Yeah, it's a great point because when you listen to e- or you listen to Falcon saying, oh, you should take the carbon tax off of natural gas, and then you know he's secretly saying, oh, please don't. Please don't. Please don't because you take this issue away from me. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, John Horgan when he was calling on Christy Clark, take the tolls off all the bridges in the yeah. lower mainland, and he secretly, oh, please don't. Yeah, please and, don't. She, and she did not, and he was very happy that she did not. And so, he so won the, the car- election on that. Is the carbon tax the United's equivalent of the toll argument mm. back in 2017 with yeah. the NDP out of the blue said, get rid of the tolls. Yeah. Um, you could argue it wasn't, it wasn't good public policy, pure, pure public policy to get rid of the tolls. I mean, there's an argument why there are tolls, but politically they can be poison. Sure. And we saw that in 2017. So now the art, there's lots of arguments out there. Why carbon tax is important. It's an important policy, put in a price on carbon, but at some point does it become politically toxic? Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I've written a column on this. The U.K. government is relaxing its measures because it's getting hammered in the polls. Uh, Largely, a lot of people unhappy with paying a personal price to fight climate change. And I think governments are going to start losing their nerves over over. The taxing their citizens when it comes to fighting climate change. Let's listen quickly here to John Rustad, who's the leader of the BC Conservative Party. You mentioned him there because he's also fighting this as as well. Here, here is Rustad on the carbon tax. This NDP carbon tax is taking more than three billion dollars from British Columbia families, getting them less at the pumps, driving up inflation at the grocery store, and adding to the cost of every new home built in this province. Okay, so you got the BC United Party and the BC Conservative Party sort of going for this anti-carbon tax well, it was vote. It's kind of funny in the in the legislature yesterday after Kevin Falcon. This is before his announcement, but he, you know, used his question period to hammer the government over carbon tax. Then yeah. Bruce Banman, the other Conservative member of the uh, in the House, stands up and says, "Well, we were first. <laughs> you know, even though he had, he asked this question last, he, yeah. he said, well, we were the first party to call for.' You know, trying to remind people that they were the first one to call for the end of the carbon tax. So the yeah. Conservatives and United are fighting over the same piece of pie here. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd give the advantage to the United right now. Okay, let's talk about uh, the backlash against street crime here. And I thought it was really interesting in British Columbia this week to see major BC retailers like London Drugs and Lululemon mm-hmm. uh, banding together to uh, save on foods. Another huge one. Say that we that they formed a group called SOS Save Our Streets. They want an end to escalating crime, shoplifting, vandalism. David Eby, the premier, was asked about this, and he expressed some frustration. He's been trying to get the federal government to to crack down on on this. Yeah. And have a listen to what Eby says here about stalled federal bail reform. I've never been more sympathetic to the federal NDP's suggestion that the Senate be abolished. I mean, how absolutely out of touch must senators be to not understand uh, the grievous and serious public safety issues of releasing someone who has committed multiple violent offenses back into community? Indigenous people in particular are the most likely to be the victim of a violent offense. Because this bail yeah. reform is hung up in the Senate. Hung up in the Senate, yeah. unelected Senate. So yeah. Evie, obviously very frustrated. Attorney General Nikki Sharma, very frustrated on this. She's you know, made her pitch in Ottawa uh, and being held up by these senators who who are worried about the, the rights of these. And we're talking repeat offenders here. This yeah. isn't just one-time crime. These are people who have been, you know, 30, 40 offenses. And the Senate thinks, well, no, their rights have to be protected and we, you know, we can't. 
uh, relaxed bail provisions. So it's a it's a source of real frustration. You know, shoplifting is endemic now. It's it's a huge issue for retail places. We live in Victoria, so down in Cook Street Village, where I live, which is you know arguably one of the more enviable places. To nice neighborhood, yeah. And the big grocery store there says you can't bring your bags in anymore. Mm. Uh, you have to use their carts, and they may check you as you leave um, to make sure you have a receipt. Because and they're, and they're saying because they're being hit with shoplifting. A grocery store. And a grocery store. Wow. Just, and we're talking in the heart of you know quiet, but I've never heard of a grocery Victoria. store checking your bags no. at the so door. So they're they're well there there was the well brand market. Remember, we had to go through a metal detector to get in that mm, place. Yeah. Um, but that's that's long gone. But now this is in a, arguably one of the more fashionable, safest neighborhoods in Canada. Yeah. And they're being hit by a wave of shoplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you quickly about a topic we're going to discuss later on the show, and that is the, the fate of Vancouver's publicly owned municipal golf courses, right? And there had been a movement now, let's turn these golf courses into housing. The Vancouver Park Board in a decision this week saying, no, 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 we're going to maintain these golf courses as they are. But there continues to be pressure to turn them into public housing. Listen to pa- uh, Patrick Condon here. He's a professor at UBC. He's on yesterday's show. Maybe we ought to think about converting part of one of these golf courses for uh, co-op housing and affordable housing, all of it leveraged by the sale of the portion that you could use for market housing, so it would not cost the taxpayers any money. Your thoughts? Well, no. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, municipal golf courses, anybody who golfs, are unbelievably popular. Yeah. There is, like, Cedar Hill Golf Course here in Victoria, you can't get on there. I mean, it's constantly... Um, capacity to get a tea time is almost impossible. It's very popular. They're used by people year round. Particularly, we live in a climate where you can golf year round. So sure. this is tremendously popular activities. It's physical exercise. It's no. So uh, I used to uh, co-chair a charity golf tournament at Fraserview Golf Course. That's Vancouver. one of the. That's one of the municipal. One of the municipal golf. Yep. Beautiful little golf course, little muni. Very popular with people. Uh, employs a number of people. Yeah. Unionized jobs. Uh, so no, I mean this is this is thought out by you know academics who probably never been on a golf course in their life. <laughs> okay, um, right. there's well, other. I, I did mean, ask him if he golfed, and he said he hadn't. He, he used to, but he hadn't yeah, golfed for many years. Uh, maybe miniature golf. But look at the. Um, <laughs> Uh, this comes up every now and then, these these vast green spaces. But I think you have to have some green spaces in your urban environment. Sure, and you just can't build everything as housing. Okay, uh, there has to be some exceptions. Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Richard in Vancouver. Hi, Richard. Go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, this comes up once in a while. I remember about 20 years ago, the MPA were bolstering the idea of doing uh, housing on the Fraserview Golf Course. And, you know, thank God that in Vancouver we have a park board that's somewhat arm's length away from council. I think we're one of the only cities in North America that does have a, a park board that's, you know, yeah. doesn't you know, that controls these decisions. But, you know, um, the last civic election, the last 20, 25 years, we've had developer-funded councils running the city. And just remember on the last election, CKMW, the airwaves was bought by ABC. But, you know, and they're pro-development too. So the fact is, at least the Parks Board, I think they have the wisdom here to turn this thing down because I think it'd be political suicide if they went through with this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, this comes up every now and then. This is not the first time it's been raised about turning, you know, municipal golf courses into housing, and it'll come up again in the future. Uh, I don't think you're going to see uh, 
Now, maybe one course gets turned, but, you know, you've got several in Vancouver. I just can't see that. Well, there's three full-size golf courses, yeah, yeah. right? Then they've got Fraser, a couple of – they've Langara. got a, I think they got three pitch and putts. So you got McCleary, Fraser View, and Langara. And Langara, yeah. yeah. You know. I think those are all 18-hole courses, yeah. all three. So, yeah. You know, I take Harbor Air uh, over Vancouver, flying to Vancouver. We always fly over the Langara golf course. And every yeah. time I look down, there's always people – Using it, and how much is that land worth? It's been estimated oh, it's, twenty billion. It's worth a lot of a lot of money, <laughs> but you know, Stanley Park's worth a lot of money too. Well, yeah, are you going to you start? You going to pave or, over Stanley or Park, McDonald Park, we or could some not, of these these big parks that exist in in you know athletic fields? Are you going to sure. start put put, put condos up there, tearing down all the soccer fields? Yeah, Dave and Burnaby. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, listening to uh, your conversation there with Keith about the uh, carbon uh, tax, if a government was serious about pulling people off and cutting carbon, they would be building nuclear power plants by the dozens because, Mm -hmm. you know, a heat pump uh, runs on electricity and almost 90% of North America uh, runs on fossil fuel generated electricity. Uh, Another example, California going to electric vehicles by 2035. They have to build 23 nuclear power plants by the year 2030 to meet that demand. You know how many uh, okay. nuclear power plants they've started? None. None. Zero. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah, nuclear power is the cleanest power, but politically it's just dead in the water. Ontario has nuclear power plants. Uh, no prospect of any – I mean, Alberta was exploring building one, but it just seems to go nowhere. I just don't think politically – you're going to see politicians go there. Well, again, Trudeau has said he's open to to expanding nuke, and especially yeah. looking at what's known are, are what are known as SMRs, so, which is small modular reactors. These Germany sort of small just, scale. Reactors. Germany's been abandoning its nuclear uh, power plants, and they've gone back to coal, which wow. is completely backwards. Yeah. But they did it for political purposes. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's and and as for California's EV target, uh, I'm on. I got a column out this week expressing severe. Um, skepticism, skepticism that we're yeah. going to meet our targets. Twenty thirty five, one hundred percent new cars. I don't think so. Yeah, John in the North Shore. Hi, John. Go ahead. I'm glad you guys are talking about electric cars. So there's a very good article that was in Apple News yesterday that said that if everybody in the planet that drives bought an electric car, it would not change climate change at all because the damage that cars do to the planet are less than ten percent of the total emissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norway has 70% uptake on uh, electric cars. They're the place, and they're now actually pulling back on, in, on all incentives to stop people from buying them because they've now realized that the investment isn't going to do what they want it to do. Yeah, so Norway's looking at mining the seafloor for, bat- for the minerals to build uh, electric vehicles. If you don't think that gets people lighting their hair on fire, mining the seafloor, We've talked about that on the show. I mean, there's a Vancouver company that's uh, trying to get a... Technology. Yeah, they say that, look, a lot of these minerals... Vacuuming the floor is basically what they're saying. They say we could go down there, these minerals are lying around on the surface of the the ocean floor. The caller made a good point about everyone's focus is on cars, as if that's the answer to solving climate change. There's way more moving parts here than automobiles. And the other, you know, EVs themselves, just the manufacturing of EVs, starting with mining leaves a pretty significant fossil fuel footprint sure. that, uh, uh, again, contributes to emissions.